What is going on, baseball fans? It's been a week, but we're back uh, after a one-week hiatus. Uh, it's, it's good to be back on the mic and bringing you another recap of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest, episode 10 now of season two. I am your host, Jordan Lazowski. Got a little bit of a different crew, some new names on with us. James Jarcheski. I hope I didn't butcher that. I That's the right pronunciation. You got Perfect. it. Carson Melinder, our two newer writers, and Matthew Penn. I think before we get started, um, I'll give James and Carson a chance to introduce themselves to uh, all the listeners and give their little blurb about who they are and who they're writing for, for Diamond Digest. So we can start with James. Uh, yeah, I'm James Starcheski. I do the weekly power rankings column at Diamond Digest. And along with that, I'll, I'd ideally write about the Dodgers, but right now uh, I'm waiting on that. So <laughs> <laughs> waiting that out. All right. Uh, what's up guys? I'm Carson. I'm a recent undergraduate uh, graduate of the University of Iowa. Um, enrolled in grad school for the fall. Big shout out. Go Hawks. Um, ideally, I love writing about prospects, St. Louis Cardinals, um, pretty much anything that's that's going on with baseball. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. And you can also catch me on the occasional hot mic broadcast. And we already know too much about noted Nationals fan Matthew Penn, so we don't I'm need to worry about that one. But he's back. Uh, it's good to have you all here. Like I said, it's nice to get some new faces, some new voices on this. Uh, but even with the new faces, the new voices, not much is changing. I'll start with the standings update. We'll go around the league in 60 seconds. Each of these wonderful gentlemen will give their recap of what happened this week. And before we go into some of the deeper questions in seventh inning stretch, and we'll wrap up with what to watch for this week as always. So, Let's not delay. Let's jump right in. If the season ended today, here's what the standings would look like now. This is being recorded Sunday morning. Keep that in mind. I don't think that'll change too much here, but it could. In the AL East, the Boston Red Sox lead the Rays by half a game. The White Sox in the AL Central are the league leaders. The Oakland Athletics are still in first place out in the AL West. Your two wildcard teams out there. The Houston Astros, who are having a good week, and the Tampa Bay Rays. In the NL, the East is led still by the New York Mets. Sorry, Matthew. In the Central, <laughs> the Cubs and Brewers are tied atop the NL Central. And the San Francisco Giants, after being talked about for weeks at the top of the standings and then falling to both the Padres and Dodgers at different times, they're back on top of the NL West. Your two wildcard teams out there are the previously mentioned Brewers or Cubs, depending on whoever wins that tiebreaker, as well as the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I will turn it over to all of you. Any thoughts on the standings overall? I, I don't think much has changed here in past weeks. I mean, even though we didn't record last week, I think the standings are almost identical. Um, but I'll turn it over to you guys. Any thoughts before we get into around the league in 60 seconds? Pain. Nothing, nothing but pain. <laughs> this month was supposed to be easy for us and it has not. And that is, I'll, I'll get into that. I'll get into that later for, for, for what my, what my, uh, what my, what to watch for should be. <laughs> like yeah, you I, said, not a lot has changed, but yeah. you know, at this point we're starting to get deeper into the season and 
for a lot of teams we talked about, hot starts, slow starts, it's starting to get to that point where, you know, it's got to change. If you're a slow start, you want it to change. If hot start like the Giants, you don't want it to. But teams well, like the I Braves, change, maybe. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I keep looking at the standings and I see, why are they still in first? All their star players are over 34 years old. This should not be a thing. And yeah. James, how's that feel? Like third place Los Angeles Dodgers. I know they're in second, second now, place, but like they've been in third for like a decent Dodgers. chunk of time. Like they're that's that's shocking. That's shocking to look at. I mean, they haven't been healthy. I think the core of Muncie, Betts, Seeger, Bellinger, and Turner have played like five mm-hmm. games together all year. Oof. And they kind of beat up on a lot of bad teams recently, and that slightly moved them up so that's not fun because the giants decided we're gonna play really well too so well they had the diamondbacks visiting so i mean that's just a guaranteed sweep so that's not really gonna <laughs> yeah, not a lot of headways gonna get made in the standings there yeah thank was, god the weekend series was the diamondbacks mm-hmm. and, and i will say i every week it seems to be when when are we gonna have to start or when when do we get to stop talking about the giants when when do things kind of quote unquote return to normal and it's every week it's been giants 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 when is this ending and it it doesn't appear to be in sight we're late Um, june now it's still yeah we're late june now it's like all right this is three months this this might be a real thing there it's always fun to see who that one team might be every year um looks like it could be the giants or at least it should be uh it would be very impressive if they found a way to win the nl west this year it's an it's an odd year though Right? Are we still going to use that uh, <laughs> that old moniker? It's an odd well, year. Maybe I'm... 2020 was delayed, you know, given the this is trying to turn it off. The magic. Off. Maybe. Well, how many games are there's no magic? Have we hit one? <laughs> there's no magic. <laughs> we haven't had a Dodgers fan on one of these, and I don't know how long. So, uh, I'm. It, it's funny to me seeing the uh, yeah. other side of the Giants hype train. The uh, the one hoping it derails sometime soon. <laughs> the one who thought it should have derailed back in April. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Buster Posey can only be, you know what? Yeah. And I'm just a Cardinals fan. So seeing Buster Posey have a good season while Molina is also having a good season. It's like, I can't have this. I needed Molina to shine and that need to be the only good veteran catcher having a great year. And I don't like this. Like he's taking all-star votes away from my boy. Plus it's like, it, it's Molina and Posey are, Doing great things in the NL. It's like, what year is this? I I, dude, it feels like it's like 2012. <laughs> like, it's just such 2012 energy right now. Oh, oh yeah. But we will actually talk about some of the all-star game voting in a little bit that Carson had mentioned. Before we do, I want to give each of these guys their chance to give their, their version of the weekly recap. I write the seventh inning stretch questions. Some people love them. Some people hate them. So I want to give everyone their chance to write about, uh, or to, excuse me, to talk about uh, what, what they consider the biggest storylines of the week. And they usually do it in about approximately 60 seconds. I'm, I'm not keeping a timer on you guys, but you get the point. We will start keep- with, oh, go ahead. I was going to keeping a harsh timer. So we'll just, oh, start. Perfect. I'll, we'll just, we'll just count them down, you know. Perfect. It'll Don't be, be afraid to mute mics. You know. and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like around the horn, just the big like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But we will start with the veteran here and go to Matthew. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction than normally talking about what's on the field, things like that. 
lot of off the field stuff this past week. Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about um, the stuff with the pitchers and the ball later. So I'm going to leave that. But even aside from that, there was a lot on uh, social media about potential. Obviously, we had the Astros a couple of years ago and then a couple of maybe false alarms, maybe not on Twitter of um, other teams, other players that might have done something similar to cheating in the past and a lot going on there. And so that was something that I don't know how long that's going to take if it turns into something because the Astros thing obviously took a couple years after that happened for something to go there. So if this turns into something, it could take a while or it could just be you know, one Twitter user trying to gain more followers, trying to turn himself into something. But it'll be interesting to see that if, you know, dominoes start to fall, other players come out talking about what they've seen around the league there. That is, I didn't include that, but I'm glad somebody brought it up. Um, I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like you don't just randomly make stuff up like that right. with the type of following you have. And I, I believe he has a blue check marker. I don't think you he randomly does, make yeah. that stuff up. Um, you, I don't think once you've gotten to that point, you're clout chasing that much. But at the same time, right. it's like, you know, maybe there's some truth. Maybe there's some, there's not. And you wonder him shutting it down so quickly in terms of just what he had said. It, it was like, is it true? Is it not? Was it like a cease and desist type thing? I, I The only way you're going to find out is if there's an official report by someone at right. The Athletic and it turns into an Astros type thing. It, well, it, it was such a weird story. Well, the yeah, other thing too sure. is like if you're trying to – you're talking about like cloud chasing things like that, like you're not going to be – you know, you're not going to be the next Ken Rosenthal right. by putting out like a nine-tweet thread. Like, right. you know, like part of it with – I don't – I don't understand like the logic of wanting to do that in any capacity. And the other thing that what was really, really shocking about it was that he tweeted out that he did have confirmed sources on it. So for you to backpedal that quickly mm-hmm. on an anonymous source, like is it the guy that was like, you know, peddling Miller light in the stands? Was that the guy that was your anonymous source? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who they had, but like, come on now. If if you really did have sources, also post an article, even if it's like a medium yeah. post, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if you can't get a someone – we have avenues in today's day and age where you can still post something if you think it's that important. So the reason I want to call BS is just solely because of the fact that there was no article and it was retracted that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting storyline. I did not know what to make of it, truthfully, but I'm, I'm glad someone brought it up. Uh Carson, we'll go to you next. Uh, just for this week, um, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, one of our esteemed colleagues, Ethan Fisher, likes to talk about um, some of his uh, buckos, particularly Adam Fraser, who's been kind of hosed in um, all-star representation. But I want to talk about somebody who hit two home runs yesterday and two home runs the day before that. I'm talking about Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins is having one of the best seasons uh, for an outfielder in all of baseball. Um, and the Orioles are one of those teams. Like, they got great uniforms. They got players that can play really well. Um, they have, like, three quarters of a, one good starting pitcher, but he did throw a no-hitter. Like, the Orioles are a bad but fun team to watch. And uh, I, I guess I wanted to keep my my spiel short and sweet. It's 
watch Cedric Mullins hit a baseball. Go vote for Cedric Mullins because he's super cool and he rules. That's all there, I have to say. There's been some fun names this year that you would not be expecting to um, not not only play well, but garner all-star votes. And uh, he, he is certainly one of them. It's just so. a shame Gary Thorne can't call the great season he's having. Yeah. Masson, Masson, get that man a contract. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? James, what you got? All right. So I was at the Rockies game last night, and Willie Adames hit a go-ahead two-run homer at the top of the ninth. And that's pretty much how it's been for the Brewers. That acquisition keeps paying off. Uh, so that was a smart move by their front office to get him. Uh, meanwhile, the Diamondbacks can't win a game. The uh, Orioles can't win a game on the road. The Mariners are kind of doing okay right now. They walked it off last night. J.P. Crawford had a grand slam. Uh, White Sox, after beating the Rays in a pretty important series at home, are struggling against Houston, which is not fun for me to see. Uh, and the Dodgers are starting to make ground up in the division race. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're Dodgers just a game back, and you mentioned some of the other teams around the league. The, the tankathon continues, and it, yeah. it's getting to the fun part of June where it's like you're you're 30 games out, and we're at the end of this month. Like, the Tegathon is on in earnest. It is shocking. It is shocking how bad it is right now. Yeah, we're going to be talking about how unwatchable these teams will be in like two months. Yeah. And I was just, and I mean, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I've watched a rebuilding team recently. Like, the quality of play wasn't great, but it wasn't like unwatchably bad. Like I, I watched the White Sox for a long time as just being a very bad team and a rebuilding team. Some of the rebuilding team play this year has just looked utterly brutal. Like the Pirates and not like that whole fiasco. Like if you if you really look back at that play, the the one with Baez and Craig at first base, like right. they just look like they didn't want to be there. <laughs> like, like no one was really like throughout that entire play, and I've seen the Orioles same time. Like they don't look like they want to be there. And who was in Milwaukee? Um, where they were just throwing the ball around. Was that Pittsburgh again? Yeah, I mean, so it's like well, they just, the, you want to talk about throwing the ball around? We can talk about a, a great team that did it. I was watching the Toronto Blue Jays. They got second and third, nobody oh, yeah. out. Oh, dear God. As someone that also has Vladdy in fantasy, I was like, this is great. He literally just needs to put the ball in play here, and I'm getting an RBI. Right. Psych? It was one of the worst. That is the most little league. It was terrible. And so I think that I think that it's as crazy as it sounds in late June as a baseball fan. Typically, we reserve the their rusty comment for the first month mm-hmm. and a half. I really just think that this year we're just going to see some – we're going to see some Three Stooges type content out there, maybe uh, through yeah. September. I, I, mean, I think even for a team like, again, I watched the White Sox on a daily basis, and the defense been suspect at best for a team that has playoff aspirations. And I think, and to your point, Carson, this, this looks like something that might be going around the league. And it, it kind of catches your eye when the rebuilding teams do it because it's all the jokes you can make about it. But 
defense around the league hasn't been particularly awesome this year. No, it has not. Oh, yeah. That triple play was infuriating to watch. It's also <laughs> am I the only one like the Yankees are always pulling triple plays? And this then year I have, now they've got two. And they then I have to hear for the first time in their history, hear, I think. Yeah. And then I have to hear the oh don't get me started on the Yankees announcer, man. I'm going to start talking for like 20 minutes. Oh, He's my. Thanks. I hate him so much. I will the less say, said about the Yankees, the better. Yeah. Oh, I will say those types of teams, and I, I'm not one to particularly or particularly have too many issues with announcers and broadcasters and sports writers, and I, I don't really care. Like, the Astros are really bothering me this week. Really? <laughs> They're driving. It's the first time I've really experience both like Astros Twitter and, and all that stuff. And mm. Astros are driving me nuts this week with the Sox series. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you don't have um, just mentioned 2005. Yeah. yeah I just, you know. I, I mean, I can't still, that, it's like it's, it hasn't been fun. It, I mean, 2005 the was the three year. games, right? So that's probably part of it. Yeah. The Astros have won all three so far. It's, and they haven't been yeah. great games either. Yeah, James. Unfortunately, the only the yeah. only good part about 2005 is Pujols um, hitting quite possibly the longest and farthest home run in human history off Brad Lidge. That and was that person's last memory of 2005. Yeah, and it ends because <laughs> they're an American League team, so we won that series. Like you know the TikTok trend where it's like self care, and they just close the laptop. <laughs> I watch. I watch the ball. I watch the ball hit the train tracks, and then I just close the laptop. I'm like, yep. Like, yeah, we won yeah, the series. Anyway, we won the series. Yeah. That's what I do with game six in 2017. Just there you go. And just it's over. Yep. <laughs> Let's whitewash history. Exactly. Oh, God. <sighs> well, I think the recaps, I don't think we missed too much. Matthew, thank you again for bringing up uh, some of the additional cheating scandals that broke but didn't break. And we'll see actually what comes of that. I'm very curious, honestly. Uh, let's not delay. Let's get in the seventh inning stretch. Let me pull up our. Fancy scoreboard, which isn't all that fancy. It's made by me. It can't be that fancy. But it's fancy. It's fancy. Yeah, I'm gonna say you, I've seen you create some dope stuff. Come on, you got the Legos in the back in the intro. Don't think we don't yeah, see you that. You know, guys, come on. It, when it comes to what I can do, like building it, that's one thing. It's putting it together on the computer. It's it's a sad story. I since <laughs> I reserve the rights to do whatever I want with scoring. James's Notre Dame stuff in the background is going to earn him three points just to start for doing nothing. So I'll don't, take it. Don't say anything anti Notre Dame. I'm in a very good Notre Dame mood because they played so well this year in baseball. Although they should have won that series against Mississippi State, but we won't talk about that. We will instead get into seventh inning stretch. Hey, real quick though, Mississippi State, hotty toddy baby, Ole Miss all the way over Mississippi State. All right, <laughs> shout out my aunt Ann. All right, there you go. Love it. I love people who get into um, college baseball. I usually hey, have yeah. not had a reason to. Notre Dame has not typically been good, but it was great to see a fun team. Yeah, season. I haven't texted my cousin yet. He's a uh, he's a pitcher for Arkansas, and I don't oh, know really? how to I don't know how to break that to him. I don't know how to yeah, be like, I, I don't know how to text him and be like, hey man, like yeah. I watched the game, but I'm proud of you. Like go get him next I, year, bro. Like I don't know what to say. I yeah. Purdue I'd leave that one alone for a bit. Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> I go to Purdue. They don't have a good team to root for. So, mm, gotcha. Well, we don't have a varsity baseball team at Syracuse. So, are you serious? Yeah. 
Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I didn't learn that until like this week. That's amazing. Yeah, Wisconsin doesn't have one either. I know that. Mm-hmm. Iowa does. We stink, but you know, we have there are one. teams you feel like should have one. Like Syracuse yeah. and Wisconsin both feel like any, oh, any power five definitely should. Yeah. Have yeah. I think we used to, and then they got rid of it a while ago and just haven't brought it back. That's a shame. That's ridiculous. But let's jump into seventh inning stretch. And this first question, I, I think will probably take most of the time out of all of these because it has been the biggest news story for about two weeks now. Uh, Major League Baseball announced it would implement a 10-game ban with pay for pitchers found using foreign substances on the mound. Some other um, par- parts of this ruling are if other position players or catchers are found using it, they're gone. Um, there's periodic checks from the umpires. What was the other main thing? Oh, you can't replace pitchers on the roster who are suspended for this. Mm -hmm. I think those are the three main parts of it. Um, and it is starting the day this is, um, airing or not airing, but going live, I guess, for lack of a better term on June 21st, Monday. Later that the, the week it was announced this previous week. Players came out strongly against it. No necessarily surprise there. Um, a, a lot of the talk was more so around why are you doing it mid-season with two weeks notification versus why are you doing it? I think that's an important thing to note. And even Tyler Glass now went so far as to blame his partial UCL tear he suffered on the fact that Major League Baseball changed it in-season. Uh, spin rates are drastically down across the league, even though the ruling hasn't started since or still hasn't um, been in play yet. All of this being said, that's all background. I want to give it to you guys. Your thoughts on the ruling. D- does it make sense to do it in year? Is Glass now right that maybe, hey, this is to blame for his injury and might be blamed for more pitcher injuries? What are the long-term effects of this ruling? I, I-, I want to get all your thoughts on this. And all we right. will start with uh, Carson. Sorry, I just I do want to jump in very quickly. Sure. In that I think that, Glass now, it's obviously you don't want anyone to get hurt. I hope he has a speedy recovery. But when Glass now came out and blamed it on that ruling, that gave me strong. Uh, when you, one of your parents comes home and they told you to like clean up a little bit and they like trip maybe over like the carpet or something, and they're like, see, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't made such a mess. That's hmm. what it felt like. It felt like a little <laughs> bit of like, well, yeah, of course I'm hurt now. Like that, that's the energy that that gave off to me. Um, I think having said, I think he's 100% in the right. It's silly to implement this mid season. I think that this does not set up uh, a good relationship with um, the pitching pitchers of the MLBPA going into a collective bargaining agreement that we're going to have to go into. I think this is definitely something that they're going to be able to point to and say, look, you guys can't do this. You guys can't just, uh, universally institute change mid-season like this it'd be like if they said we're going to move the mound back like a couple mm-hmm. inches yeah after the all-star break so good luck with that guys that's the type of i don't i, I felt i feel like it's i don't know it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and i'm a fan so i can't imagine what someone who actually works for the company how they feel matthew yeah i agree with that my two main things are one in the middle of the season you can't I didn't like it last year when it's like a couple weeks in, they introduced the, I think the double header rule. Um, even this year when they said there was no universal DH, they waited till like the last week of the season. You got to make these rules in the off season 
far enough in advance that teams can plan for them, players can train for it, and you know what you're getting into before the season. I don't know why we're changing uh, the rules in the middle of a season. It, it just doesn't make sense for me. Uh, the players don't have time to, to prepare for that. And then the other is that it's the same, it's the same penalty for any substance you're caught with on the mound, I believe. And mm-hmm. multiple players across the league have come out saying, you know, the spider attack and that thing, that should be gone. We all agree, you know, that's too much. But some things to get a grip on the ball, the batters even want that just to give the pitcher some control so they can grip the ball better so they can make the pitches the way they've been pitching and, you know, not get the injuries like uh, Glasnow was saying. I think Scherzer said something similar. It's just, it's too, to have a blanket policy for any substance isn't fair. Um, And it's, not reasonable, really. I guess it's hard to tell if you're an umpire what they're using, but if you're going out there and checking anyway, I feel like there should be a way to differentiate between, you know, sunscreen and spider tech. James? Yeah, I hate to pile on, but I hate that they're making this change in the middle of the season. Uh, pitchers, most pitchers have been throwing a lot of innings like the top of the leaderboards, I believe are around 80 innings so far this year. And going into the year, there was concerns about pitchers filling innings coming off of a shortened season. And so we're just now ramping up into the marathon, you know, the sprints gone, we're past 60 games and Now we are at a point in the year where pitchers are finally like settled into their season and the MLB is just saying, hey, we're just going to fundamentally change what you do. You have two weeks, you have a week to change it. And if you've already thrown 80 innings and then you have to completely change your routine that's not going to be conducive to success. So like when I first heard Tyler Glasnow was hurt and he blamed it on that, I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't have been cheating. But then like, as I watched more of his press conference, like he was using grip enhancers and he was worried that he was going to get caught with grip enhancers. So he stopped a few weeks before so he could try to, you know, get used to working without him. And it's not like he was bad. He struck out 11 nationals after he stopped using it, uh, according to him, you know, given his date. And then he felt sore. So we're going to see a lot of injuries coming up, I think, because pitchers are just going to be gripping the ball harder, and that's going to change their delivery. That's going to change how well the ball is thrown. I I think that's a long-term unintended consequence for this season, and we're just seeing the beginning of it with Tyler Glasnow. Well, James, I think you make a great point, but something I want to bring up is we ha- saw that Adam Wainwright came out and talked about how he was like, yeah, he's like, I tried it for like three, four starts, and I didn't really like it, and I stopped using it. So, I think if we want to talk about the unintended long-term consequences, I'm going to be interested to see 
similar to how there was the steroid during the steroid era, a vast majority of the guys that did it were guys that maybe wouldn't have made it past triple a that then as a result, because of steroids got to have like a six, seven year, you know, solid bench roll. How many of these guys that are pitching now that came up during like, mm, let's maybe maybe talk about a guy that like just got drafted out of college at like 20 or like Juco. So they hit minor leagues after the ball had been juiced by baseball. So their entire professional career, they've been pitching with these substances. I wonder, I wonder if the consequences are we're going to see prospects like pitching prospects either get derailed by injuries or are we going to see some just flat out not have it anymore because there was that extra couple inches that they got on a sinker. And instead of it, you know, barely clipping the corner, guys can just golf at 410 to dead center. Yeah, that's something that you have to consider as well. You know, everyone's been using that, or most pitchers have been using this because there's no way that the MLB has been policing this for the last mm-hmm. few years. It's ridiculous that they haven't been because it's explicitly written in the rule book that you can't use these substances and they just are turning a blind eye. I think that's the, I think that's a bigger story how they just kind of turned a blind eye to it. They did the same thing during the steroids era. They didn't enforce that rule. Mm-hmm. And then they got mad when, players were using steroids like you chose not to enforce this rule you made this mess i I think it's i think there's the the cyclical nature of what baseball does is baseball will when it's berry bonds or marketable stars that already are marketable that play in you know they play in you know california or they play in new york or they play in texas or they play in florida then that's when you don't care but it's when um, I mean, like, no disrespect to Brandon Woodruff, but like when Brandon Woodruff is suddenly insanely good and it's like, well, we don't really want to market someone that plays in Wisconsin. Like, I think that I, I really think that that's part of it with baseball is once it becomes so accessible and so convenient for everyone that you have these guys who are playing for, you know, Colorado or they're playing for Milwaukee, they're playing for, you know, insert whatever city I'm uh, you know, unintentionally um, bashing on accident apologies. But like, that's, I think that's really what it is. It's once it hits a point where the big time stars are start, are starting to get matched, then it's like, well, we'll, we'll correct it now. So that way we can protect, you know, cause we don't want, we don't want Brandon Woodruff to be the best pitcher in baseball. No one watches Brewers games. We want Jacob DeGrom to be the best pitcher. And I think that may, that may be something that they don't want to admit. It may exist on a subconscious level, but I think that's something that Major League Baseball definitely does. I think there's two aspects to this that I completely agree with. Number one, um, James, what you said, you know, this is in the rules. And if, if you don't like that they were breaking the rules, that's fine. But it's your fault for not enforcing it earlier on. Like, it became a problem. And Major League Baseball is trying to blame the players for it. And I, I don't like that. And number two, I, I think the injury aspect has already been talked about a ton. Um I don't want to harp too far on that, but I will be interested to see, you know, what kind of injuries result from this. I think I, I don't get what Major League Baseball's goal here is um, these pitches are still very good. <laughs> like it's, This is not going to change them being good. So if your goal is to, like, hope that, you know, they hang a few more sliders and a few more homers get hit, then why did you deaden the ball? Like, 
If it's me, I'm just letting them use the sticky tack. I'm letting, and I'm juicing the balls like they were last year. And I'm just like, let's have fun. Like at a certain Ooh. point, you know, like, then, I think you're even seeing it with, you know, a guy like Trevor Bauer, who like he was very vocal about like the, the spin rate and stuff. I know no one likes Bauer. I like Bauer a lot. I love um, Trevor Bauer. He's hey, one of my hey, favorite on field, on field product. Fantastic. I don't want to, if, if I could cast this magic spell, and have Trevor Bauer uh, physically incapable of speaking about anything except the game of baseball, That's I would. Fair. And I would That's like him fair. tremendously yep. better. Because he does do a lot of good things for the game off the field as well in terms of what he's showcased. But exactly. my point being, like he had, he's already like concocted some sort of like sticky thing between like just things that are technically legal. Like, I think it was like a combination of sweat and something else. I can't remember. But it's like he had already made some new sticky substance of source or something close. It's like, we're going to find ways around this. Like this, this is like, I, I don't know what major league baseball's goal here is other than to cast players in some sort of negative light. I, so I Laz, would, if you're major league baseball then, cause you said that you want everyone to just have, you say, let it go. Are you saying that you would be open to some sort of like spider tack, the official uh, like sticky substance of Major League Baseball? Like, are you trying to like market or are you saying, because I think that's the only route that baseball. No, I'm actually, saying let it go. Just let everything. Don't know. Not even using this as an opportunity way, to cash sort of. grab. Because that feels the like the way. only way they'll, they'll make that happen is if there's a cash grab to be had. That's fair. I agree with that. But it's like, let the offense, let juice the balls back up. Whatever you did last year, like go back to that. That's when offense was like all you didn't. You, unless you change the game to where players like Nick Madrigal are paid more than Mike Trout. Like, As it should be. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not that's a great a example. That's a bit. That's a bit. <laughs> like a power hitter versus a slap hitter. Unless you're going to yeah. start paying slap hitters more you're not going to change the game from where it was. So you might as well just embrace it how it is right now. Let the home runs fly. David Fletcher should, should not get paid more than Jose Altuve. That's the it, it comes down to like who right it, the game's gonna follow where the money is. Like that's True. just how it's gonna go. Um so but, that's the only way the game's going to change from its like if people don't like the current format, then you have to reward players like Nick Magical more than you reward players like Joey Gallo. And that's sort of the comparison I'm making here. If you, and since you're not gonna do that. Well, then you better lean into what baseball is and, and learn how to market it. So maybe move the mound back and, and yeah, use that's... the sticky tack and juice the balls. Like lean into offense, like go all in. Don't hurt the players to try and hit, get more home runs, but you dead in the baseballs. So you're trying to change the game. You're making a mess for yourselves. <laughs> I think the other part of it that was super frustrating was baseball was like, hey, just so you know, we're going to dead in the balls. And then there was this the like, so we, you guys did juice them before then, right? And there was this sort of like, hmm? what we just said we were deadening them, right? So that means that they were juiced before, right? And they were just like, we're, they were just deadening it. No, and it's like, that. and I'm like, I'm like, guys, your hands are so deep. You guys are elbow deep in the cookie jar. Please just admit that you just, want the cookie. You want the cookie. Just say it, please. Right. The whole MLB front office has not had a good stretch of the last couple years or no. even further uh, yeah. back than well, that just, just a ton of mistake after mistake your next yeah, next, next commissioner of baseball theo epstein hot take will will uh, hopefully course correct that you're just you're focusing on the wrong things right now truthfully yeah and 
Absolutely. It's not the right thing to do in front of a labor negotiation, but good conversation. No that, strike. That was, that was Please, no strike. That's the only thing. This only makes us I, worse, man. I just had to go three months without baseball last year, and we do this again. I I'm going to be I dead inside. I, I'm with you there, Carson. I I watch the Dodgers every day. I watch the White Sox every day with my parents, and it's painful just, just not listen, having baseball. Just pay, just, just pay the boys, all right? Pay them. Pay minor leaguers. Do what you have to do. Foolish Baseball, this is just a brief plug. Foolish Baseball did a great video on um, Rules to Change Baseball, and he talked about the investment you can make in minor leaguers and how it's like a $3 million investment a year, and the argument was like, if you have like a one-war player that you get a, out of that an additional one, then that's like $8 million that you've made. So like that's already a net positive. It takes one extra guy. And I'm like, a, a, he that really puts into perspective how easy it would be. That should be baseball's biggest scandal is – the mistreatment of minor leaguers and it's, it's shameful. Yeah. And that's something we've actually talked a lot about this. That that's, I think across diamond digest, that's good. That's a very popular opinion, but let's jump into inning number two. That was a really good conversation. Um, Let's see here. Major League Baseball recently announced the all-star game voting updates. And here were the most recent results. This is going from catcher to outfield Um, in the AL. Perez, Vlad Jr., Semyon, Bogarts, Devers, Trout, Judge, Buxton. In the NL, Posey, Muncy, Albies, Tatis, Bryant, Acuna, Castellanos, Jesse Winker. And Otani at DH. For and Otani at DH, thank you. I forgot that one. Basically, my question simple. How are the fans doing so far? We'll start with uh, Mark, or Matthew. Um, so... I think at the starting positions, it's not too bad. Of the 10 infield and catcher spots, um, the only one not leading their position in their league in F4, I think, is Devers. Um, In the outfield, Judge is the only one not in the top three. And that's because, you know, you're looking at a Yankee with a big name versus an Oriole with an unexpected season. Um there's really not much you can do with a fan vote there. It's going to happen, even though Mullins, like uh, Carson said earlier, he leads the all outfielders in war in both leagues. And yet I don't think he's even in the top 10 in um, outfield voting. With that being said, the rest, like the death charts sort of, of the voting haven't been great. Um, I mentioned uh, Mullins leads all outfield. He's actually second in the major leagues in war. He's not in the top 10 at shortstop. Uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who uh, shout out Joey, who had a great article on him a couple months ago and leading his uh, campaign <laughs> to the All Star game. Um, he's third among AL shortstops in war, and he's not in the top 10 in voting, which is ridiculous. He's behind names like uh, Jose Iglesias and Elvis Andrews, who, you know, they're not even up to half a war, I think. Um, in the NL at shortstop, Trey Turner, 2.7 war. Brandon Crawford, 2.2 war, are both outside the top three behind Javi Baez, who has 1.2 war, and a below-average offense, and also Corey Seager, who hasn't played in over a month. It's things like that. You know, these players haven't played in forever. And then at catcher in the AL, you know, mentioned Perez leads in war, but it's also only been 60 games, and it's a small difference, which isn't that definitive. So... Um, I might even go with Grandal here just because he's actually a positive on defense, which at catcher is a big thing. And then um, 
Also, he's got a 26.2 walk percentage right now. 26.2. Good God, man. I'll tell you what, he's driving people nuts with what he's doing. He's driving me nuts. (laughs) I love it. I love it, and he's driving me nuts because I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this, man. Right. I mean, that 26.2, no one other than Barry Bonds has ever put a number like that in a qualified (laughs) season. Babe Ruth, for comparison, Babe Ruth's career high in a season was 24.4%. So Grandel is walking more than he ever did in a season. So the Boomers might not be happy, but Grandel <laughs> needs to be an all-star this year. Let's go to James. I love that argument, though. Uh, yeah, I think there should be more White Sox players. They've been the best team in the American <laughs> League for most of this season. James is learning how to play this <laughs> yeah. game very quickly. Well, I watch the White Sox every day, so... I, I see how good they are. Uh, Jose Altuve, or not Altuve, screw that guy. Uh, <laughs> Jose Abreu, I have the Astros on my mind. Jose Abreu, I think, could be up there. Vladdy Jr. is just having a better season, so that's a good pick. Perez also having a better season than Grandal, but I, I would personally vote for Grandal. But like I'm the I'm part of the problem here because I'm that kind of fan who only votes for their team. To be in the all-star game like calling all the royals fans from like six years ago who pretty much put their entire starting lineup in the all-star game oh my or god. like cubs in 16 like I'm <laughs> yeah, oh my guys. god jason hayward as an all-star in 2016 was a sham a it was sham. egregious that was uh, a joke yeah so it's nothing like that uh the only ones i don't really agree with are Either Judge or Buxton over Mullins, you can kind of take your pick there. I would personally pick Buxton, Trout, and Mullins to be in the outfield for the American League. Mullins has just been insane this year. Buxton, uh, he was an early MVP candidate before he got hurt, which is just unfortunate. Trout, same thing. Uh, And then in the NL, Albies at second, I'm not really liking uh as much personally i think it should be chris taylor who i believe is top 10 in b war this season I don't think he's on the uh ballot at second base as part of the problem yeah, that's so part of the problem it's hard he, to win as a write-in yeah he's he doesn't have a position and that's why he's not an all-star but dave roberts flat out just said he's gonna be an all-star because He's the manager for the NL team this year, so he gets the final say. Uh, Isaiah Feiner-Kalefa should be getting more love. I do agree with that. I watched him with Texas against the Dodgers last weekend, and he was electric, and I just didn't expect that. I just knew him as like a glove-first kind of guy. So, But they're doing... Pretty well. Tatis at shortstop. I I, I can't cheer for that because I want Seager in, but Seager hasn't played in a while. So, you know what? Sure. Like, my only gripe is that there aren't enough Dodger players, but that's probably better. Oh, oh get that out of here. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm part of the problem. I only vote for... Uh-huh the Dodgers starting lineup. So James, James is over here. Oh, I have too many hundred dollar bills in my wallet and my, <laughs> my Emerald shoes are just too tight to go to the club tonight. Get that out of here. Oh, All yeah. right. If we want to talk about, uh, 
egregious also i'm gonna say egregious adam frazier has got to be at second base over albies it's clear adam frazier is his ops plus right now is 133 he's leading the league in doubles it's also the pirates they have nothing else going for them <laughs> like brian reynolds is having a good year too but like he won't make it because they're the pirates and they're only gonna get one and richard rodriguez will for the sake of my friends that are pirates fans richard rodriguez will not be a pirate. Hopefully he'll be a Boston Red Sox or something like that. Um, I said Red Sox. Oh no. Someone's going to come <laughs> after me for that. Red Sox. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think Frazier is the, the answer at second base. Um, I'm very excited uh, to see Nolan Arenado as maybe the only Cardinal because of the season we're having, but him uh, get a nice welcome back at Coors. I think that'll be a, a nice homecoming well, the, for him. The Cardinals play at Coors Field right before the all-star break i did see that too but i think that so, it'll be nice to have i don't know if that'll be a sold out crowd it, it will might be. be actually because it will one. be yeah because a lot um, of people out here in colorado were pissed about that trade oh were they i i can i can imagine why um <laughs> i mean you trade your star short uh star third baseman for a bag of peanuts why wouldn't you hey pissed? austin gomber was doing pretty well before he got hurt um uh oh oh uh you know Laz I think that like Jeff Samarja should also maybe be in the All Star game this year I'm just using the Notre Dame you're part. gonna you're gonna get negative points now <laughs> not a Jeff Samarja guy oh no no Frazier's the only guy that I think is like the really bad omission other than Mullins which has already been mentioned um I completely agree with you James voting for your own um players is fantastic um I do it all the time uh like I'm I'm in a position where I'm like Tyler O'Neill should be in the All Star game. Um, which maybe not, but Tyler O'Neill should definitely be in the home run derby. That is, uh, that is, that is a name that I am very, very excited for. He is a Canadian God and I love watching him hit the ball. I think overall the, um, update was fine. I think my biggest gripe is many might've seen here in the diamond. I just discord, uh, Perez having 43% of the vote at catcher kind of, that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. It, it implies you're lapping the field and he's not. Um, that that was my biggest gripe overall. I mean, I, I don't get too caught up on any of this just because I know fan voting is very fickle and many people view the game differently, but what can I do? So inning three, the MLB draft is just three weeks away. And honestly, it doesn't appear there's a consensus number one pick in the draft, at least yet. If you were in the draft room for the Pirates, we will start with Carson. Who would you be pushing to draft first overall? All right, so this is why I got hired. So I put more <laughs> time into this than I think the other questions. And I'm going to pick a name that I think is a little out there, and I have a few reasons. I think that the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to take Jackson Job number one overall, and here is why. There has been so much press about Jack Leiter and so much press about Kumar Rocker. Both of them have slid a little bit. There's three really good shortstop uh, prospects as well. Everyone knows this. Um, I just think that the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to – I don't think they're going to mess it up. I think that Jackson Job's a great prospect, and I honestly think he might be the best arm talent in the entire draft, um, which is like blasphemous to say because of how much media attention the two guys from Vanderbilt have gotten. Um but that's who I would push to draft number one overall because 
you take a guy that doesn't have a lot of media attention around him, number one overall, like I feel like they could get him for a little bit less than like the slot value. Like this is a very Bob Nutting pick of like, this is a guy we can save money on who's also good. Who's like, I, I just feel like they're going to do this. So I think that a lot of people are going to think that they fumbled the bag taking him, but I think that he could be a mid to frontline starter. Uh, and I think he's a high school prospect. They're not going to compete for four or five years. So I don't think they're taking anyone that's a college prospect and they need pitching. They've got like O'Neill Cruz. He's a six, seven God. And I want to see him pan out so badly. So, um, that's why I, I, that is my honest to God prediction. I think they're going to take Jackson Job and Ethan Fisher and my friend, Andrew Scheller back home. Who's a pirates fan are going to have an absolute meltdown when it happens, but I think it'll work out in the end. I respect the out of the box pick Matthew. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, you're talking about, uh, you, know, you got the left side of the infield sort of figured out with Cruz on the way, keep Ryan Hayes already up, but in baseball more so than other sports, I feel like you can't really draft for a need. You got to just take what's best available and right now it's looking like one of those short stops. And one of the things I've heard before, I think it was, it might've been Mike Rizzo that was saying it at some point where he likes to take the short stops because those are usually the players that were always the best in their team, most athletic. And even if you don't keep them at shortstop long-term, you can move them around, move them second base, sometimes even the outfield. It gives you some flexibility because of the type of athlete that a shortstop usually is. So you take him and then you hope he pans out. And at the beginning of the year, you were saying, you know, lighter, rocker, those were the guys that were, you know, almost consensus top three. And they've fallen a little bit. I don't think they're going to be a bust. I think they're going to be successful at the major league level. But given their his- the Pirates' history, I don't know if they're the team that can sort of fix them and help them along with their development. I know they've changed some of their uh, front office, some of their scouting and development, but... I think another team might be able to do something better with them and the Pirates not might not want to try to test their luck so early in the new um with the new owners or not ownership new thing is GM whoever they have out there trying to develop one of these guys and bring them back to what the consensus was sort of before this last college year. James uh so when I saw this question yesterday, I thought Jack Leiter. And then I actually looked into it. I'm like, wait a minute. They might screw up his development because like historically, or at least over the last decade or so, Pittsburgh has like developed their pitchers to pitch to contact. I mean, it kind of worked for them. They got three wildcard appearances in the last decade, you know, most successful stretch since like the early 90s when Barry Bonds was there. But you then see guys like Garrett Cole, Tyler Glasnow, Joe Musgrove, they leave, they start focusing on striking players out, and they're just better pitchers. So that's why I don't really think Jack Leiter's the move. I think they should go with Jordan Lawler. He's an outstanding athlete and he's young and this is a team that is in the beginning of a rebuilding stage so he's not going to be there for a few years but he'll be ready ideally by the time the pirates are ready to compete and that's what they need to go for with this pick 
I think you all kind of brought up a very good point. It's or two very good points. Number one, the Pirates are pretty far away in, in terms of their rebuild. And number two, they don't have a lot of success drafting and developing guys to reach their full potential on the pitcher side of things. Um, I don't know. I think there are going to be some very lucky teams who didn't think they were going to get Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter a few months ago that are going to be very happy. And I think the Boston Red Sox being one of them blows my mind because it almost feels like the conspiracy theory of 2020, let's just have a bad year, but still be a really good team, get a nice top four draft pick and still be a really good team after the year after. Um, That's just me putting on a tinfoil hat. But anyway, I like three different picks other than Lider and Rocker. I think I really don't think they're going to go with either of them. Um, I don't know. There's still three weeks, though, so I'm sure this will change by the next time we have this conversation. So, inning four, fact or fiction, at this rate, Jacob deGrom should win the NL Cy Young and the NL MVP. We don't have any Mets fans on here, but we have a lot of people who probably would never be Mets fans in their lives. I don't know who to start with. I'm going to start with the one who is in the NL East, though, and we'll go with Matthew. (laughs) Um. At this rate, you know, assuming that he stays healthy and pitches most of the year, yes, for both, and it's not close. Um, right now, he's got on Fangraphs. I know pitcher Ward's not great, but I'm just trying to compare him to, you know, other players to see where he levels up. Right now, he's at 4.5 WAR. The top non-pitcher in the NL is Ronald Acuna Jr. at 3.5 a full war below him. And it's been just over a third of the season. So, you know, he's worth a full win more than the next guy. And there's some pitchers that are in between him and Acuna, but another pitcher isn't going to win MVP over him. So, you know, just skip over them. And just what he's been doing has been so dominant at on the mound and helping himself at the plate. I think he's worth half a war at the plate alone. And I don't know how much that should be considered in the Cy Young, but if he's going to try to take the MVP too, why not count the batting stats? He's at the plate. Why not compare to the other hitters what he's been doing? And I think it'll be interesting to see when he comes back, um, when his next start after the um, new substance rules are in place. And there's been, you know, talk that maybe he hasn't been using that at all, given the spin rates and stuff. But I think it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that and if that affects anything at all. But at the current rate, yes, he should win both the Cy Young and and MVP. Carson? I'm so torn by this because (laughs) I don't think Verlander should have won MVP in 2011. Uh, Only just a duck because Scott Bentley just threw something at me. Um... (laughs) I say no for MVP. I think I agree with Matthew that Cy Young, it's not close. Um, Because when we're putting this in, we need to put this in context with like greatest all-time pitching seasons. And you look at, it's Bob Gibson, 1968 is I think the benchmark if we're looking at like, what is the single most dominant season? In that season, Bob Gibson threw 13 complete game shutouts and had an ERA of 1.12. I think that we're in an era where pitchers have, they can afford, they, they we're not an era where they go all nine innings. They, they don't go super deep into games. That's just how the game script works. It's how it's the, the, 
the Mets are trying to win games, not make Jacob DeGrom look good. So I think that we're sort of looking at it where they're not going to just let him be like, yeah, you're throwing, you're at 110 pitches through eight innings, but you've, you're, yeah. And you've given up one run, but you want to just finish the game. That just doesn't happen anymore. So I think that he's going to finish with an ERA above Gibson's 1.12, but he's already missed a little bit of time. And adding on to the fact what I just mentioned of he's not going to have that sort of crazy, like he's he's not going to break the strikeout record in a season. He's not going to break like any sort of traditional counting stat you could look at. And to win MVP, I still think you need something that someone can very easily look at and go, oh, wow. And I think that there's something missing that he'll have that will prevent him from winning MVP. I having said that, I think he's going to finish like fourth. I think that he will finish like third or fourth, but I just look at there's, there's just something that if, unless he wins like 20 games, that's what I'm saying. He needs some sort of, I think I also said, if he throws a perfect game this year, he'll win MVP. He'll win MVP as well. He needs like a identifiable thing that he did that's not a percentile or an advanced metric that you can look at and go, wow. So unless that's breaking Gibson's 1.12, which I don't think he will, then I don't think he'll win MVP. Well, just not to cut you off, James, sorry, but um, before you go, just to respond to that, with the question being at this rate, I kind of assumed, you know, he's going to, that assumes that he's having an ERA below one given his is now like 0. 0.5 or okay, something Okay, yeah, like that. yeah, I guess. I so, just assumed at this rate of like the the caliber. I hadn't taken okay. it like a literal statistical. Because at the caliber or at the statistical rate, he's going to win 12 games, which I'm like, that's I'm like that's not like the number that I'm looking for. Because he's not, he's not on pace for 300 strikeouts either, is he? I don't think so. Just that yeah. ERA is so low, I don't think anything else really matters. And um, Yeah, true. If you, you know, play it out, is he going to go above one ERA? Almost definitely. And at that point, it's going to be tougher for him to win, like you say, without right. those other boomer stats. Yeah, because, um, I mean, one start with two earned runs. He goes five and a third and gives up two earned runs. He's probably at around one or something like that. James, what say you? <clears throat> uh, I'm glad Carson brought up Bob Gibson because since Bob Gibson won MVP in 1968, there's only been one pitcher in the National League who has won the MVP award, and that was Clayton Kershaw in 2014. So I looked at DeGrom, and I compared him to Kershaw's first 11 starts that year, and DeGrom has better numbers than Kershaw did up to in his first 11 starts. Uh, so that's... Definite that helped sway my opinion. Uh, Kershaw also missed time, so it's not like, oh, he wasn't healthy the entire year. That's going to hurt DeGrom. Like, Kershaw missed a month, and he still won MVP as a pitcher. You know, that that doesn't matter. And DeGrom, I think, after the last few years, kind of just quoted Thanos, you know, fine, I'll do it myself in terms of giving him – his team run support like he has more RBIs than he does earned runs allowed or or yeah earned runs this year like how have like I know we don't want pitchers hitting 
like to get hurt. I'm sorry. No, we do. Man. We do. We do. No. Ban the DH. Oh, it's no. Matthew. Ban the DH. I don't want to see pitchers hitting. I don't want to see pitchers hitting. I do. But, they should be though. Or yeah. I don't want to see pitchers hitting, but that's not the point of this argument. DeGrom is hitting as a pitcher. He's hitting above 400. He has more RBIs and earned runs this year, which is insane. And I watched his last start. He had eight strikeouts in only face nine yeah, batters. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> and then he like, left. <laughs> and he got hurt swinging a bat. So yeah, you can see why I don't want him hitting. Like He's trying to carry the Mets to victory. But because he's doing that, he's going to be the MVP, I think. How many RBIs did Clayton Kershaw have in his MVP season? I, I couldn't know, tell. Do you, you know? Do you know off the top of the head? I didn't know if you, I didn't know if you looked at that, too, because when you compared the stats. Because I, I really hope that Clayton Kershaw was also hitting like 400 with like a home run. I can like tell you he wasn't. Like, Clayton Kershaw is not a hitting pitcher. So, uh, but like, that's a good player to compare it to because he's the true. only other pitcher who's won MVP and they played in the at the same time so matthew i'm so glad you were here for that once yeah. once james once james went i don't want pitchers hitting i just saw both of our eyes like are are you sure about yeah, that that uh i'm fine with it i will, his, I will uh, die saying i am all for the universal dh i will i say i, I say that. ban the dh i'm not even kidding well, this is how you lose okay, points. Well, hey, you know what? Stretch. You know what? God, God's on the baseball. God's on my side, man. You know, I watched. I, well, I'm being penalized for things Carson said right now. There's a you picture. There's a you picture believe, in the home run I derby. Believe it, but I'm there's not a, dumb the, enough the to say it on the pod. The only person who said do the home run derby this year is literally a pitcher. So I don't even know why. Right. I'm, why I'm in the wrong here? All why right, am I? Right, you know what? Fine, fine. Shohei Otani can hit. He can hit. He's a pitcher who can hit. If, Before, I am fine with teams foregoing the DH, but they should be given the option to let the pitchers. Okay, hit. sure, Not, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yeah. Okay, like, yeah, sure. But, yes, and the universal DH allows for that, and, and that's exactly. why. Exactly. And then I, so I don't have to watch guys like Matt Peacock hit last night. So scared against Walker Bueller, he's stepping out of the batter's box. It looks like me taking an at bat. And I mean, I saw ten days and. And it's not it's not pretty. Like pitchers are not they're not specializing in hitting anymore. So I, I don't want to see it. Like it's, cool, it's Shohei Otani can do it. They do they do things differently in Japan than they do in America. American pitchers don't hit. James, uh, let me ask you something. Is it objectively more fun to watch Matt Carpenter as the Cardinals DH hit a single that beats a ground ball? through the side or is it more fun to watch Adam Wainwright hitting ninth hit a ground ball that goes through the infield one is objectively more fun than the other and the answer is it's watching Adam Wainwright get that it's hit. more what happens fun to far see less. It because it happens uh, far less. Less, less. Like I'm not exaggerating uniform. it's kind of close <laughs> and Matt Carpenter has been terrible man it's kind of close yeah I've year. seen you on the hot mics and every time it's it, oh, about oh. Matt I have to watch him again. I think I have to watch Matt Carpenter play again tonight. So I'm really excited to watch the Braves. Um, I think I'm on that too. So. Oh, there we go. You can hear me uh, complain. We'll be complaining together. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous so, stuff. 
Before we jump into the fifth inning here, did quick back of the napkin math. 1.35 ERA would be what DeGrom approximately needs throughout the rest of the season, assuming he pitches close to his 200 innings like he's pitched in recent seasons. Um, kind of depends on it depends on how many innings he's thrown. But I think at this current rate, MVP should be at least in the conversation. We've seen it before. We'll probably yeah. see it again. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I think top three, top four, definitely. But there's just going to be – something else someone's gonna have a someone who's already playing at all-star level is gonna go bananas the next two months and it's then that they're gonna you know make it them it's definitely happened before so yeah we will we will wait and see even if he deserves it you have to trust the voters to get it right that's 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 the other thing i wanted to say yeah that's um that's a tall order Let's shout jump out, in. Shout it. out Cy Young winner Rick Porcello. Sorry, this is new. <laughs> we're talking about the Cy Young winner Bob Welch. Uh, oh. Okay, let's jump into inning five. Vlad Guerrero Jr. currently leads baseball with 23 homers. Tatis and Otani are not far behind him. Quick question when it's all said and done this season, who's going to lead Major League Baseball in homers? We will start with Carson. Uh, Nick Madrigal. No, I'm playing. Uh, no, right. it's it's going to be, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Vlad and it's going to be Vlad because if anyone watched the series where Toronto was in Fenway, there's been like a huge knock that um, the Blue Jays, uh, their spring training stadium and both their triple A stadium they've called home this year um, is a, a great run environment. Um, I don't know how much water you really want to hold into that, but a lot of, a lot of fans on Twitter have gotten cranky and said that it's an incredible run environment. Um, but he went into Fenway and homered in just four straight games. Like they were down to their last, uh, including his, the last game of Fenway, they were down to their last out and he tattooed a ball like 420 dead left center. Um, it's easy for him right now. It's easy watching him. Like he's literally, um, Oh, wow. We don't have any Cubs fans in here, but like when Chris Bryant was like peak, like peak Chris Bryant, he was just smiling the second he started swinging because he knew that he just absolutely demolished the ball. Like during his MVP season, that's what Vlad's doing. Vlad is getting out there and he's just like laughing, which is just a frightening thought given the fact that he's only 22. Um, but I just I think Tatis he got removed last night again as a precautionary. I just think that he won't get enough ABs. I think he's gonna have a fantastic year. Otani, same thing. You know, he just rests. I know Joe Madden really wants to utilize him every every day and play him in right field. Um, because he's been in love with him even when he was the manager with the Cubs back when Otani was a finalist for them. But it's gotta be Vlad. He's just he his swing looks so good. Like he he has just unlocked something within him that I think everyone expected him to. Um, and I think he's finally getting the respect he deserves where he's in the conversation with Soto, with Acuna and um, with Tatis of these are the guys that are the future of the game. And he's going to hit my honest prediction is I think he'll hit like 45. James. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be Vladdy too. Um, his ground ball rate has gone down, and he has more power, which I don't think is a coincidence. So it's great to see. Uh, I was high on Vladdy as a uh, not an expert on prospects, unlike Carson here. Uh, but like, I kind of want to go with an outside the box pick and say Jesse Winker 
Ooh. leads the National League in home runs. Like he is just okay, mashing right now. You know, I I don't think Tatis will play enough to get to the league leader in home runs. Same with Otani. So Vlad's the easy choice. So that's why I want to say Jesse Winker. If he is at least the National League leader in home runs, you heard it here first. So I like it. Matthew? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to agree with what uh, Carson was saying for the part with Tatis and Otani. I don't think they're going to get enough at bats to get there. Tatis with maybe some injury and then Otani just down the stretch, preserving him for if the Angels make the playoffs or you know, trying to give him some more rest for pitching, things like that. He might not get the number of at-bats he needs. Um, for Vlad, I don't think it's going to be him either. I think he's going to go cold at some point. I think, you know, I don't know how much it is the parks, but changing parks might um, affect him some. And, you know, he's way overperforming his ex-WOBA so far with a WOBA 462, ex-WOBA 436. I think at some point that comes down and will affect his home run numbers. I'm going to go with uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. I think, um, you know, he's going to get going at some point, go on a roll. He's had stretches in his career leading off where I think he had like five straight games uh, with a home run, including like three leading off the game. He's going to get hot at some point as we get to July and August when it warms up. Um, it's going to get some games against uh the marlins the nats probably gonna sell at some point their pitching staff is gonna you know move down a step and he'll um get some at bats there and i think he's gonna you know make a push for 40 40 maybe 50 home runs and that will be enough for him to lead the majors i think it's a fun question i think it's still too early to tell but uh i i appreciate a good home run race no matter what so Inning six, the White Sox announced another injury to a position player earlier this week as Nick Madrigal will have surgery on his torn hamstring and he will be out for the year. Uh, They followed this news by taking two of three from the Rays, but struggling thus far with the Astros, losing the first three in the series. This begs the question, where does this team really fall in terms of talent moving forward? Do they have enough to stay afloat until reinforcements come? And really, who is the best team in the AL? Uh, as we've seen between the Rays, the Ashers, and the White Sox, that's kind of been where the conversation lies. Um, I will start with James. Uh, I think the uh, White Sox are the best team in the American League still. Uh, they've been struggling against Houston, but if you told me at the beginning of the year, Eloy's going to miss time, Robert's going to miss time, and now Madrigal is going to miss the rest of the season. Those are three young, but crucial parts of their lineup that are just gone for at least three to four months. And they are playing the Astros right now. And the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball this year. So they're going to look not as good against them, but ideally for the White Sox, they'd have, Robert back by the playoffs. They'll have Eloy back by the playoffs. And that's what matters to them. They need to win. I think that as long as they get those two back 
and they're performing well, it'll all be good. They're still one of the most talented teams in the American League, if not the most talented. Uh, they still beat the Rays two out of three at uh, Guaranteed Rate Park. And they play in a division where they have to see the Twins, the Tigers, and the Royals a lot, and those are not very good teams. And Cleveland does not have a very good offense. The pitching staff's legit. It's just they play in a not-so-tough division. So I think they can uh, stay afloat until those guys come back. And then watch out. Carson? You know, I, 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 going into this year, I said I thought it was going to be the Sox, you know, but, but like James mentioned, they, they have had cataclysmic in, uh, injuries to players that I, I really think are difficult to replace. Um, I think, you know, like just like the, the clubhouse environment. Um, I also think that Tony LaRusa has, been trying to figure it out and winning over that locker room, but I just I still have questions about um, uh, the fit of having a guy who um, seems to hate fun and having uh, like your team captain being guys like Tim Anderson, who is a huge champion of having fun. Um, I don't know. I really think, in my opinion, that the answer is Tampa. Um, they have proven time and time again that they have been able to get more out of less. Like Mike Zunino is a great example this year. Um, I, I, he's definitely hitting under 200, but he's, he's uh, OPSing in almost 800. He's got an OPS plus of 122. And Mike Zunino has always been a decent glove guy as well. So like they just find a way to get more juice uh, than what the squeeze should give them. Like Joey Wendell playing like an all-star. He's OPSing like um, – I want to say it's like 850 OPS plus is like 150 for Joey Wendell. And lest we forget, they have uh I uh Randy Ozarena has rookie eligibility, does he not? Yes, he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have they have what many assumed would be rookie of the year, Randy Rosarena, and everyone has kind of slept on like his talent. He's been a great above average like league hitter as well. Um, and they've done all this with Brandon Lowe um barely hitting 200. So if you want to talk about a team that can come back from stuff like Yandy Diaz has been underperforming slightly, but he's getting on base a ton. Yandy Diaz starts getting a little more pop in the bat. Uh, Brandon Lau starts doing what he's capable of doing. Um, like G-Man Choi came back and he's raking. They, they, they just continue to continue. And they've also done this without Nick Anderson. Like I'm just naming guys that they've done this without or gotten underperformances from that they're going to come back and these guys are going – to be on the warpath, and they have uh, what are they? They're tied for second right now in the AL East. Uh, yeah, they're they're going to do some damage, and the Rays are a team that I don't think they're going to go back to the World Series because at the end of the day, like you still need true star power, and that's something that they don't really appear to have. But I, I still think they're going to win the division, and I still think they're going to win a playoff series at least. Oh, and Brett Phillips is dope. Last part. Yeah, the only Matthew? problem with. Oh, and sorry to encroach here, but the only problem is that Tyler Glasnow is out. Yeah, so yeah. true. That's but, just hard to replace. If any team, but they've done more with less. Yeah, if any team can replace a Tyler Glasnow is Tampa. I just, I'm just pumping the brakes until they see how they replace him. Well, I mean, they've got they've got um, Rich Hill 
uh, who's like five and two with a three five ERA somehow. So it's 40, amazing. Forty two. How old is Rich Hill? He's forty one years old. Forty one years old. Forty one year old Rich Hill. That is absolutely ridiculous. Matthew, what you got? Yeah, so I want to be careful with how I word this because obviously injuries are never a good thing. But I do think this might be some sort of blessing in disguise for the White Sox because it's already been mentioned by, I think, both the other guys. Um, the division isn't good. Uh, Cleveland is a couple games back, but they're going to fall off at some point. I don't think they're going to be able to keep this pace for the entire year. No one else is within 10 games. So the White Sox all but have the division wrapped up. And this is going to give them some basically free time during the regular season to figure out some of the next guys up, see who can step in, fill a role, and be useful. Even if they're not starting in the playoffs because guys are starting to come back, you can figure out guys, big guys to come off the bench. And that's something you need if you want to go on a deep run in the playoffs. You need to be able to have guys with the experience during the year that have been able to produce and you know, if you have your entire lineup all year, you're not sure who those guys are really sometimes, but this will give you the opportunity to call up some of the prospects, some of the guys in the minors, give them everyday playing time, and that way they'll be fresh when you get to September, get to October, and then, you know, if somebody gets hurt in the playoffs or you need a guy to fill in a big pinch hit at bat in a late inning against, you know, Roldis Chapman, some elite reliever, you have a guy who's been getting quality at-bats and regular playing time during the year to help out. So I don't think with their current roster, they are the best team in the AL right now. I think you know the Rays, the A's have a claim for that. But by the time we get to the end of October, they will be able to compete with those teams. And whether or not they can make a World Series push they will be able to you know, be in a series with them and make it competitive. Yeah, I think it's a good team, but it, they're clearly banged up right now. And you're oh. seeing what happens when you're a banged up team playing a good team like the Astros. So more to come on that one for sure for the White Sox, hopefully. But let's bring it home here. Inning seven, it was announced that Shohei Otani will participate in this year's home run derby. Man, the Each of you... No, no. <laughs> each I'm of you. Because of that now. <laughs> each of you, give me one name you would really like to see finish off the field and compete this year. Uh, we'll start with Carson. Let's see if you can redeem yourself. Just, just one. I because all right. I mentioned just Tyler O'Neill earlier, but if I have to pick just one name that I want to see, give me Adolis Garcia, man. Got 17 bombs for the Rangers right now. Um, great story. Another, um, incredible former Cardinals outfielder that we DFA'd so we could give Harrison Bader consistent playing time. <laughs> Woo! Um, I don't know. He's been a good story this year and I don't know. I, I view the all-star game and I especially view the home run derby as a way for bad teams to, um, get a little more love and a little bit more representation to, for, to honor some of the seasons that they've had. Like this is probably the best season of Garcia's career. So let's give him uh Laz, like you mentioned earlier, let's give him the juiced balls. We'll put him in cores, no humidor, and uh let's see him rip, dude. Let's just see what happens. Matthew. 
So kind of weird you said that. I'm going to go to a different uh, Texas Ranger. I'm going to go Joey Gallo. Okay. Um, he's, I think, having, in terms of power numbers, a little bit not as great of a season this year as some years past. But his swing is just so pretty from the left side, and the, he puts so much power into that. And just seeing him in cores with giving him pitch after pitch that he wants where he wants it, he could destroy some of those uh, baseballs, you know, thinking 500 plus feet. And, you know, he's one of the best uh, swing hard in case you hit it guys that we have right now. He's got the strikeout numbers, but in a home run derby, who cares? You're getting your pitch. You know, you're going to hit it. He's going to crush those balls. And, um, you know, obviously Otani would love to see him succeed. Well, uh, I think Gal would give him a run for his money in course. James, uh, I I'm gonna stick with the uh, a hometown favorite, Ryan McMahon. Uh, recently, that is hit. an odd name. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Ryan McMahon. Well, he has 16 home runs this year, so he's got the power, and the Rockies are terrible, so. Why not just have some fun? Let's let's get the home hometown player to just crank a few home runs. Could he win the home run derby? I don't know. But why not just let Ryan McMahon do it? The Rockies are not having a good season. Let's give him something to root for. He's been having a good year. He's slugging 510. He has 16 home runs. So let's give it to Ryan McMahon. Let's let let's let Nolan Arenado put no. the put the put oh. the Rockies jersey Not back on. Guy. <laughs> you know what? Not I will anymore. say, I will say, if you're going to pick a name like Ryan McMahon to go to the All Star game or excuse me to the Home Run Derby, you deserve to win seventh inning stretch that day. That's yes. all I'll say. So James, congratulations! Your inaugural performance is a victory. So nicely done there. Great conversation though today. Um, I, I really did enjoy. <laughs> the conversation surrounding, uh, especially even the, uh, the, the foreign substances and stuff like that. So that was a really good conversation. Let's... I died. I died and I died in seventh inning stretch. So pitchers can hit and I'm, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and you will offense. continue to die in seventh inning stretch <laughs> as pitchers continue I, to hit. I'll take the victory because you believe that. So <laughs> let's bring it home with the final segment. What to watch for this week. As we do every week, each of our, Panelists will either pick a matchup, a series, a player that they're watching this week, and they're going to tell you why they think you should be watching them as well. We will start with the winner, James. All right, so I'm going to be watching the Dodgers this week. Shocker, I know. (laughs) Uh, But they play the Padres. Those are always fun games. Uh, Justin Turner said earlier this year that's basically 19 World Series games we're getting, and the only bad thing is that Tatis might not be playing. Like, I hope he's okay because the game is just better with him in it. So Dodgers playing the Padres, that's one. They're playing the Cubs at Dodgers Stadium. So that's the other game. Uh, those are two good teams. Bryant has been insane this year. So I want to see how he does at Dodger Stadium. And then... I'm going to be watching Rays Red Sox because those two teams are right next to each other in the standings. That's a huge series for both of them. 
and it could be consequential in deciding that race. Two very good series. Carson? So uh, mine was for actually watching on television Rays Red Sox, but my thing to watch this week, uh, really the next two, is following the, this doubleheader that the St. Louis Cardinals are playing, their next 13 games are all against the Pittsburgh Pirates, Colorado Rockies, and Arizona Diamondbacks. Which means that in the next 13 games, you are going to see if the St. Louis Cardinals are going to make the playoffs or not. Truly. There were 70 games into the season, and they're 35 and 35. They have a doubleheader today. Um, my honest thought is they'll probably split this. I hope, I think that they'll split this doubleheader. So they'll be 36 and 36. And then they will go on a 13 game stretch where if they don't win, I'd say at least eight of them. So if they if they don't come out of that stretch at the midway mark of the season, at least five, six games over 500, then I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So if you, you want to talk, James mentioned about consequential, this stretch, I said this at the beginning of the month, this end of June stretch is going to be the Cardinals' best chance. Because if they can do what they should do and go like 10 and three, then we're looking at, you know, you're 46 and 37. It's about the, it's almost the all-star break. That's that's somewhere you can make some headway in, but this this week especially and the next week following are the two could possibly be like the defining moment of the 2021 Cardinal season. So and also Nolan Arenado, that's that's in like the end of it, like James mentioned earlier. But Arenado back at Coors, so that's also something nice. Matthew, so I'm gonna go pretty much the entire West. I'll pick a couple of series, but all the games out there this week should be good. James already mentioned uh, Dodgers, Padres. You also got Giants, Angels to start the week, which are Giants, obviously, we talked about still first place in the NL West. Angels have been playing well recently. Otani carrying them should be good. Then the weekend series, you have, um, again, the Dodgers already mentioned against the Cubs. You also have the A's and Giants. You got that rivalry there. Both teams almost 20 games above 500. Uh, should be a good series there. And, you know, there's a lot a lot of talk in uh, sports in general about maybe an East Coast bias, but I think we should give some love to the West Coast this week, try to watch some of the late games out there. Much appreciated that you baseball, hey, baseball, baseball after dark, baseball after dark, exactly. man. Absolutely. And speaking of baseball after dark, some of the um Sunday night watch party games we do get quite late. Um, oh, hey, come on now, don't say it, man. <laughs> I was excited to seven inning double header game, and now you oh, last <laughs> is Jesus. James, we're gonna be there till 1 a.m. now. I'm just I know, you. man. I know. Thanks a lot, Laz. Yeah. Whatever. You know what? Un- That's going to do it for us. <laughs> These two newbies come on and start bashing <laughs> me. We're, we're done here. That's going to do it for us. He his his uh, seventh inning stretch. Uh, I know. Nope, I give him a victory nope. and look what they do with it. Like You got You gave me third place. I will, and I you will come on it. here and yell at you all day. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. The ticker on the bottom shows where you can find us. Diamond-digest.com uh, is the website. Diamond underscore digest is the Twitter handle. Diamond dot digest is the Instagram handle. Make sure to follow all our writers here. Matthew, James, and Carson all have their Twitter bi- our handles and their um, bios. If you're watching, new article make sure coming to out today, but for me too. It should be. 
our editor told me I should have an article coming out today. So yes, so free plug. All of our uh, writers have either recently written articles or will be putting out articles. So make sure to look at them there. And as usual, between Sunday Night Watch Party and all the other fun stuff we do, we got plenty of great content coming, and we're hoping you enjoy it. So for James Archeski, our winner today, for Matthew Penn, and for Carson Melinda, who's getting on the Matthew Penn train of the anti-universal DH, this is Jordan Lasowski signing off. Taking care, Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you soon.